This morning we're continuing this series. We're continuing this series called Just Wondering. And we have been looking at probably some of the deeper things of Scripture. Fact is, Hebrews 6, 1 and 2 tells us this. The day has to come in every believer's life to where you move from the elementary teachings of Scripture. You move from the teachings of Scripture of salvation and baptism and all of those things. And you're willing to move on to the more mature things of the faith. In fact is, the writer of Hebrews gives us what those are. The resurrection of the dead and the judgments. And so I, I totally get this, and I totally understand this. We have been swimming in the deep end of the pool. And for some of you, this is new news to you. And so here's what I would tell you. Best learning, in fact, as teachers will tell you this, best learning happens when students become uncomfortable. So if you have become uncomfortable, that's good news. That's how we learn. And I just have a commitment to preach the whole counsel of God's Word. Just not the elementary things of Scripture, just not the easy things of Scripture, but to preach the things and teach the things that, you know what, are a little bit difficult. So this last week, we started with the question, will I be judged? And I answered that, and today we're going to complete that, and then next week we're going to start looking at the reality of hell, a literal hell, and then why would a loving God send people to hell? Uh, what about the person who has never heard? And so that's where we're headed for the next couple of weeks. But today we're going to finish this talk on will I be judged. Let me give you some more scriptures. Because this principle is taught all through scripture. 2 Peter 2.9 says this. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. And to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. 2 Peter 3.7 By the same word the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. Here's another one, Romans 14, 12. So then each of us, and by the way, every one of us is, is an each, right? Okay, we're, we're people. And so every one of us is an each. And so then he says in Romans 14, 12, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Hebrews 9.27 And just as it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes the judgment. So as we looked last week we learned that when we ask the question will I be judged it is a very sobering yes. Yes. Believers and non-believers what scripture says will be judged. Who will judge? Scripture teaches it is God who will judge. See, what, what I do, what you do in this life, determines everything for eternity. What I do, what you do with Jesus, behave, belief, and we're going to separate out belief and behavior today. What I do with Jesus, um, whether I accept him, whether I reject him, determines where I will spend eternity. Separate from him or in relationship to him. What I do for Jesus, behavior, determines my rewards. The scripture teaches that, that, that we are held accountable 
for our behavior. Psychologists tell us, fact is, and the Bible's been telling us for thousands upon thousands of years, that your belief drives your behavior. You want to know what you really believe about something? Look at your behavior. Your belief will always drive your behavior. And so the scripture teaches that we will be judged believers and non-believers. Non-believers will be punished for their behavior. Believers will be rewarded for their behavior. See, and someone may ask the question, and it's a great question, why the judgment? God already knows who's going to hell, who's going to heaven, then what is up with this judgment? It's because your belief is not being judged. It's your behavior. See, your belief, my belief in this world, this earth, determines where we'll spend eternity. The judgment is for us to give account or for us to be judged for our works. Here's, here's some more scripture. In fact, is, this, is, this is all the way through, old and new. We'll go to the new. Watch this, Ecclesiastes twelve fourteen. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Here's another one, Revelation 20, 13. And by the way, I could stand up and I could read for the rest of our time together today the teachings of Jesus, Old Testament, New Testament, about this very subject. It's all through Scripture. Revelation 20, 13. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged. Each were in each. Each one of them. Not for their belief. For their behavior. For what they had done. 1 Peter 1.17, if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to eat. See, you're not going to give an account for a mother or a father, a spouse, a child, a friend. According to each one's deeds, There's that word behavior again, belief, behavior. And conduct yourselves with fear throughout the the time of the exile. So here's what Jesus says, Matthew chapter 16, verse 27. For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. And then he will repay each person's according to their behavior, not their belief. Your belief is already determined. Your belief determines what you believe about Jesus, that he is the Son of God, the deity. He is God. According to what he has done. So the scripture talks. We'll be judged. And we'll be held accountable for how we stewarded and what we did in this life. See, this gives life total meaning. I will, I will never forget, when I was, when I was a child, I, I joined the Boy Scouts. And not because I wanted to be a Boy Scout, uh, but I wanted to camp. 
I wanted to camp. I wanted to fish. I wanted, I wanted to ride in a canoe. I wanted to sail. I wanted to shoot a bow. I wanted to do all this stuff. And so, but I didn't really like the whole Boy Scout deal. But you know what? I wanted to go to camp. And so in our area, some of my friends were Boy Scouts, and they were serious Boy Scouts. And, and, uh, and we got to go, they got to go once a month on a camp out. And then once a year for summer, they spend two weeks at a summer camp. It was a Boy Scout Jamboree, I think is what it was called. And so all the Boy Scouts uh, across from the great state of Texas would, uh, would travel to Carthage, Texas, and, uh, and we'd have this two-week camp. And so I became a Boy Scout, and I was a pride mem- proud member of Troop 357 in Tyler, Texas, and, and uh, my parents paid the dues. I got the, I got the shirt, you know, I got the uniform, I got, I got all the stuff. I started going to weekly meetings. I says once a month we'd camp out, and it was just great. And then the two-week summer camp came up, and I went to that summer camp, and you know what? I goofed off the whole time. I had a blast. Uh, I mean, I, I pulled pranks on people. I, I, I hit, yeah, I know. I, I, almost, I almost caught the forest on fire. That's a, I had an attraction to fire and stuff like that. And so anyway, that's a long story. I says, I goofed off. I laughed. I pulled pranks on people. Uh, three days I got to spend with the assistant. I was like the, the camp counselor's assistant. That, I think that was punishment more for him than for me. And so that wasn't a reward. That was just, hey, you control this person. When, when, when the rest of the guys would, would go to their classes to earn their merit badges, because that's what Boy Scouts do, uh, they would go to their classes. I would go run and hide in the woods. And then when the camp cleared out, I pulled my pranks and I did my deal. And, and I was... I was just worthless. And then the last night, in case you don't know anything about camp, uh, Boy Scout camp, the last night was like family day. And so your families drive up and they get to see the camp and they get to see what Boy Scouts do and what they've learned throughout the week. And then you have dinner together. And then you go to this big open air pavilion and, uh, and then your parents take you home. And so I still remember going into this open-air pavilion, and I was still at this point pretty proud of my camp experience, and my mom and dad and my sister and brothers were there. And we go in, we sit down, and I look up on the platform. And there's like tables all over the place, merit badges piled high. And I realized, this is a reward ceremony. And this is the days before people worried about little Johnny's self-image. You know, you know, like, right? I mean, little Johnny can be a loser, and he's getting rewards because we're worried about his self-image. And this is the day, it was before the days before they make sure everybody got a reward, like the happy camper, most positive camper, you know, <laughs> that kind of deal. We didn't do that in my day, okay? That's like a new deal. And so, so that wasn't, because you had to, like, earn it. I still remember sitting with our troop and all the families there and my family there. And up to this point, ah, Dad, things have been going great here. We started passing out rewards. I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. I thought, oh, man, if someone had just told me. Who knew? I didn't know if someone had just told me. I wasted two weeks of my life. They never said, 
Charlie was a goof off, if Charlie had worked harder, or Charlie blew it over here. And that's not what it's going to be like at the Bema seat. That's why the scripture says, be careful how you live so you're not ashamed. On that day, in some respects, sitting there, the judgment for me was, I wasted my life. I was only in this for the fun stuff, to camp and hunt and fish. All my friends, their parents, they carried out bucketfuls of merit badges. You know what my family got to take home? Dirty clothes. I am so burdened about believers. Nobody's ever told them. I don't want you on that day to be sitting there. Say, nobody told me. Who knew this life really mattered? Who knew what I do in secret really mattered? Who knew how I live my life really mattered? I was only in it for heaven. The judgment is not to determine your beliefs. They weren't determining for me that day whether I was a Boy Scout. I was a Boy Scout. They were evaluating my life and how I led it. Jesus talked about this subject more than once. Matthew chapter 6. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward for your Father who is in heaven. So we can lose our rewards. Whether it's our motives, whether it's more about us. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the street. And that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So, it's just, there's temporal rewards, there's earthly rewards, and there's eternal rewards. There's heavenly rewards. The temporal ones, they're going to burn away. Tested by fire, what is hay and straw. But when you give to the needy, not if, but when, when you give of your resources, do not let your hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret, here we go, will reward you. You know what that means? You're going to meet the Father. You're going to meet Him. That's what that means. You're going to meet him face to face at Boy Scout camp. They didn't say, okay, here's the merit badge for first aid and just, hey, pass this back and sling them out. Or you, no, people came up. People met the scout master. 
do you realize God is going to reward you? See, this gives life meaning. This gives life purpose and total meaning. When you go through those times in your life and think, nobody sees what I'm doing. Nobody sees how I'm living my life. Nobody sees the commitment I've made to a family, to a marriage. Nobody sees the commitment I've made to walk in purity and holiness. It doesn't seem fair to me. You've got this group of people who, who profess not to know God. There is nothing godly in their life. And it looks like they get blessed. It looks like they never get sick. It looks like they get every promotion. It looks like they have everything. This gives life meaning and purpose. That when we go through those times, that we know, Jesus says, if you give a cup of cold water to someone in need, I will reward you. We're going to meet the Father. And He is the one that is going to hand us the reward for the life that we lived. And so last week, we just we started looking at this subject. And, and you know what? If you missed last week and you got some questions, you can go online in our media area and you can, you can hear that talk. You can get the CD. And so we looked at, at four basic things that were being tested. We looked at spiritual slackness to where we, we investigated that and that's the, that we'll be held accountable for how, how seriously we took our spiritual faith, uh, read scripture, applied it to our life, life lined up with scripture. The next thing we looked at is spiritual stewardship, that our resources and how we steward them matter. Scripture says that you can send your, your treasures and you can build up treasures in, in heaven. Luke chapter 19, we don't even have time to talk about this, but Jesus gives us a glimpse into heaven, and he talks about that there'll be cities in heaven. And depending on how you stewarded this life, there are different areas of responsibility. And yes, we will worship him, but we will also serve him, because service is worship. Third thing, we'll just pick up. This is new, this is new stuff. Uh, spiritual separation will be tested for. Uh, watch this, 1 Peter 4, 1 through 5. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has, has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the uh, Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, lawless idolatry. With respect to this... They are surprised when, watch this, when you do not join in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you, but they will, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Scripture teaches that we are set apart for a holy purpose. That we are totally and we are completely set apart. So many Christians... have more identity to the world than to Christ. They had more identity to lost people or to non-believers. The same value system, the same lifestyle, the same choices. In fact is, you'll hear some talk that they feel closer 
to people who are non-believers than they do the church or Christians. Now, this isn't to say that we shouldn't have any relationships with lost people because how will they know if we don't build relationships with them? What this does say is that we understand that we have been set apart. We are different. We live our lives on the values of his word with Christian ethics. We handle our businesses differently. We handle our relationships differently. That we understand that we are set apart. And when they look into our life, they know there's a difference. They know we've been changed. And yes, like Simon Peter says, that even though they make fun of you because the drinking buddies that you no longer hang out with or the people that you party with that you no longer can hang out with and go to the places that they do, they will make fun of you. But your value system is totally changed. You live life in holiness and sexual purity. And you align with his word. I mean, that's why Paul says... Just help me here. What does a non-believer truly have in common with a, a believer? They have a different value system. That the believer has a different set of values that they lead their marriages by, their relationships by, and their businesses. Here's another one that we'll be tested for. Spiritual statements. That's why here at Fellowship of the Rockies, we, we make sure when we preach and teach that we're walking you through the scriptures. You better be careful when you st- say, thus saith the Lord. God would have you do this. God doesn't care about that. That is not sin to God. You better be careful that his word teaches that that it's true to his character, that you do not misrepresent him. Even if what you have to deliver is tough and hard and causes people to push back. And so the scripture says, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. That includes text messaging. That includes blogs. That includes Twitter, that includes Facebook, that includes email, that includes letters. Ephesians says, our word should build up, not tear down. Anybody can tear someone down. Anybody can criticize someone. But Ephesians says, building up. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words, what he says is you'll be condemned. Scripture teaches that it's possible to lose rewards, not salvation. At scout camp, I thought, look at all the rewards I lost because I didn't take it serious. When you understand the judgment seats, when you understand this deal, I'm telling you, it gives life meaning. It gives life purpose. Now, the Scripture says there's, there's prizes, there's rewards at the believer's judgment. fact is, 1 Corinthians 3.15 says this, if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. Please, we're not talking about salvation. Salvation is by faith, by grace alone, not of any work, so man... Uh, cannot boast, but we are held accountable for our behavior. Behavior determines rewards. 
If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved. So there you go. It's separated out. But only as through the fire. In other words, there are some Christians that are going to be like me at Scout Camp Celebration, reward ceremony, where I saw a bunch of scouts, Boy Scouts, get bucket loads of merit badges and rewards. And I went home with zip, nada, nothing, except for dirty clothes. Had nothing to show for two weeks. There's five. There's five crowns that the Bible describes uh, that we get on that day. We'll run through those and so that we understand those. Uh, the first one is this, the crown of incorruption. Okay? We'll walk through this. We'll explain these to you. 1 Corinthians 9.25 says this, Each athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. And so, a trophy, where it's a Lombardi trophy, where it's a Stanley Cup, where it's a ribbon. So, athletes compete what? For the reward. But it's temporal. There's temporal rewards and there's eternal rewards. But, we live life differently. We as believers. We live life differently and we live... We, we compete for an imperishable wreath. Some would call this the disciple's crown. You know what? There are some that would even call this um, the crown of discipline. Whenever you, I don't know, if you like football or, 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 or basketball or baseball or golf or tennis or whatever, but whenever you see those interviews on ESPN or the NFL Network or wherever, and they begin interviewing successful athletes, they always go back to what? How they practiced. How they were disciplined with their bodies and their life. And they talk about the successful athletes that were there, the first ones there at practice, and they were the last ones to leave. They practice at full speed in practice, just like it was game day. They didn't care if people were in the stands or not. They practiced and they worked full on. This is what this one is talking about. So let me ask you, so how do you discipline your time? Do you discipline your time to take time daily and open his word and apply it to your life? We use life journaling here. They can help you with that in the, in the Welcome Center. Do you discipline your life to where you read scripture? Or do you discipline your life to where you're involved in a life group, you're involved in a ministry, and you're, you're pouring your resources, you're pouring your life into spreading the gospel into a church? Or are you one of those ones that says, well, wait a minute, you don't, you don't know my schedule. I'm way too busy. I, I couldn't, Charlie, I couldn't add one more thing to this hectic schedule. Do you realize if you would cut out a sitcom a week and read scripture that time, you'd read through the whole Bible in a year? That's one sitcom. People will tell me that, you know, and they'll go through May, and then they'll go through, you know, spring, and they'll go through summer, and they say, you know what, we just don't have any more discretionary time. We're full up. Then football season starts. They had a Monday night free they didn't even know about. And Thursday night, and Saturday, and Sunday, and fantasy leagues, and all this other stuff. Listen, you do what you value. Your behavior determines your belief. Scripture says that you and I, you know what? We do what we value. Here's another one, the crown of rejoicing, 1 Thessalonians 2.19. 1 
For what is our hope, our joy, our crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and our joy. This, this is called the soul winner's crown. This is, this is the person that's always witnessing to someone. This is a person that is concerned about the eternal destiny of a family, of their friends, of their children, having some tough conversations. This is, in, in fact, is the, it's so easy to figure out who those people are in church because they're the people that are always asking the staff and the pastors, well, how many people are accepting Christ? How many people we have getting baptized? When we do that outreach, are, are we just giving a cup of water? Are we giving the gospel? Are we sharing our faith? Where are we in that? You see, this is that person that is so passionate. Listen, let me ask you, do you even care about the eternal destiny of those around you? Where you may talk about relationships and marriage and jobs and sports and all that other stuff, but do you ever have any spiritual conversations uh, were you, when was the last time you invited someone to church? When was the last time you spoke into someone's life and says, you know what? Well, you just need God in your life. Man, would you go to church with me? When was the last time you shared your testimony and said, you know what? Let me tell you what God did in my life. Let me tell you how God rescued me from that situation. Here's another one. It's called the crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy 4.8, henceforth there is, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to those who loved his appearing. So this is the person that they, couldn't, they cannot wait for Jesus to return. The fact is, that's all they want to talk about. They want to talk about Revelation or Ezekiel or Daniel or any of the prophecy. They want to talk about what's going on in the Middle East. They want to talk about end-time theology. Uh, fact is, a, a, there were a lot of people in our church when we did that series on First Thessalonians. You guys were like, don't quit talking about this. Talk, tell, tell us more, tell us more. When is Christ coming back? I mean, they are looking, they are anxious for his appearing. Here's another one. Uh, the, the, the crown of life. James 1.12, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under a trial. This means to remain under excruciating pressure. It's hurtful. It's painful. For when he has stood the test... He will receive the crown of life, which God has promised. You realize God has promised you rewards? For those who love him. The crown of life is the crown for those who have persevered under a trial. So we know a lot of the Old Testament prophets who lost their life for their faith will be included in this. We know that the many in the New Testament that were martyred will be included for this. I kind of think, and it's just personal, when this crown is given out, it may be the most emotional crown. This is people that persevered under. In other words, they were willing to remain under great pressure 
They didn't cut and run. And they still praised him. What about the person? Lost a loved one way too soon. Dealt with a terminal illness. Buried a child. Stayed faithful and ministered to a family. Whether a prodigal, difficult marriage. And they just stayed faithful. What about that person? Their whole foundation was rocked in life. They said, even though he slay me, I'll praise him. What about that person? It says no one sees what I'm going through. No one sees the loss, the hurt, the pain. What about that person that was abused? They didn't blame God. They sought him for comfort and forgiveness so that they could forgive someone else. And they kept saying, nobody knows what I'm carrying. Nobody knows the hurt and the pain and the doubts. But even though he slayed me, I will still trust him. Joseph went through some horrible stuff. And he'd forgiven some brothers, and he says, you intended this for my harm, but God meant it for my good. Wonder what's going to happen that day when your name is called. And you persevered and walked in holiness and purity. And you come to the front. See, he's not going to take the crowns and just sling them out or say, hey, would you pass this one back to Joe back there? He's going to call your name. And he's going to hand you your reward. Scripture says that there is no crying or tears in heaven. But the Scripture also says that he is the one that brushes the tears away. Not only will you meet him, he will touch you. In this life, because Scripture says that in heaven, our joy will be made complete that everything will make sense. Let me tell you something. This life matters. 
Because he has promised to reward you. The last one, real quickly, is just the crown of glory. 1 Peter 5, 4. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And you know what? This isn't just for believers. This isn't just for church. I'm sorry. This isn't just for pastors. Scripture says that we're all ministers. This is for the person that knows they've been called to ministry. Whether it's to lead a life group, whether it's to lead a Bible study, whether it's to lead in a children's ministry, whether it's to lead in a, in a youth area, that they know that they have been gifted with an ability. Whether it's to lead in worship on a worship team. Do you realize Scripture says that you can lose your reward that you were once working for because either you believed in Christian retirement Or you decided you'd done it long enough, been there, done that, I'm backing out. Interesting thing about Super Bowl winners, that every year that when Super Bowl team wins the Super Bowl, uh, real quickly after it, they get to go to the White House and they get to meet the president, and the president gives a reward. The 1985 Bears uh, almost went unbeaten, won the Super Bowl, and two days after they won the Super Bowl, um, Discovery, the shuttle Discovery, blew up in the sky. Remember that? And President Reagan, because our country was in a, in a time of mourning, uh, President Reagan decided to postpone when the 85 Bears would come to the White House. Well, it soon got off the calendar and it no longer happened. 26 years later, last week, uh, the NFL writes a letter to the White House and says, you know what, the 85 Bears did not get their trip to the White House. Could you guys work that out? And so this last week, they went and they met uh, the president. They celebrated. And Iron Mike Ditka and, and some of the other guys that were on that team, they gave quotes about how meaningful that met, meant to them that they finally, after 26 years, got to meet the president because of what they accomplished. That's temporal. Let me tell you this. The day is going to come when this life is over. And I don't want you to sit around in an open-air pavilion at the beam of seat and said, if someone had just told me, I want you to walk out with a bucket full of rewards. Scripture teaches the elders of the 12 tribes will go and lay their crowns at the feet of Jesus. I want you to be able to take part in that. I don't know about you, but when I go to a wedding, I hate it when I get out too late and there's no seed or rice for me to throw. I don't want you to be left out. Would you just bow your heads with me and close your eyes? And let me ask you this morning, what is God saying to you as a result of this message and how does he want you to respond Some of you may need to accept him this morning. That's your first step to where you just pray and ask him to come into your life, forgive you of your sins. Some of you, you're in the Christian life just for what heaven can give you. Kind of like I was at scout camp. 
There's so much more to it than that. See, this gives life meaning. This gives life purpose. And so whether you're in this room or whether you're in one of our overflow rooms watching right now by video, why I'm asking you, how does God want you to respond to, your, to this message? Those of you in video, our leaders and pastors will direct you. They'll give you instructions. But in this room, How does God want you to respond?